Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 10th day of August 2022. Happy Wednesday hump day to you. And boy, what a hump this day is. I want to get right to it. But first, I got to tell you, just because it helps me, go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast where you can enter to win signed books, autographed books, contests, get uh, special posts, and get, of course, the Week in F and Review. It's also at DerekHunter.locals.com. That's Patreon. Dot com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter dot locals dot com. I appreciate the support and uh, am eternally grateful for it. So there you go. Now let's get on with the show. There is a lot going on, obviously, in the world. And the first and foremost story of the day is the raid on. Well, I don't even know. That's the thing. It's a raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago hotel. Well, Mar-a-Lago is huge. It's like raiding a resort. It is a resort. You can't really raid a resort. It wouldn't work. So then I imagine, I don't know how it's set up down there. I imagine he has a wing or a section or his own building or whatever. And that would be where the warrant was for. But uh, was it a raid? Or was it that they were just sent there to get documents? Is this the end of the Republic or the beginning of the end of Donald Trump? I mean, depending on where you get your information from, you get all kinds of um, interesting takes on things. And now, of course, it's disturbing that the, the search warrant would be served on a former president over documents. That's what we're told. That's the thing is about this is, uh, and why I'm kind of glad it happened when I did, when I couldn't really comment on it. I was able to digest some of it and formulate some questions as well. Last night, the media was terrible. Oh, it's a, this is a horrible, they're, they're coming, the walls are closing in, they're going to get him, this is it. Donald Trump is going to jail. He's never, ever, ever going to be able to run for president again. Blah, blah, blah. And none of them know the facts. Now, it's been enough time that we should know a lot more than we do, seemingly. I would like to see the president of the former president of the United States. I'd like to see him release the warrant. Wouldn't that be interesting? Then we'd know exactly what they were looking for and whether or not this is a big deal. The left is saying, this is it, the walls are closing in, it's over, Donald Trump is going to jail. They would not have done this were it not something serious. Yes, they would. This administration dispatched FBI agents across the country to anybody whose cell phone pinged on a tower in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th and kicked in their doors, whether they were in the Capitol or not. And some, A lot of doors they got wrong. Oops, sorry about that. So it is something they would do, overreact, go too far, put on a show. These are the very same people who call CNN before they go and raid Roger Stone's house at 5 o'clock in the morning when they could have just said, hey, Roger, you got to come with us or turn yourself in by noon or whatever, and he would have done it. What is he going to do? He's an elderly man. Is he going to hit the road? Is he going to run? 
all of the people that they've arrested in public spectacle forum, they didn't have to. They did it for show. It is a disgrace and it is a it's disturbing. So they would is it beyond the possibility that they would do something like that for this? No. They'd easily do something like this, especially this Justice Department. The uh, the Justice Department has been wildly politicized under Merrick Garland. And sadly, I think the only way to protect and stop the Justice Department from being politicized is for a Republican president to politicize it just as much, if not more. That's it. Democrats don't seem to care that the uh, Justice Department is being politicized, being weaponized. And so it has to be. You don't care if somebody's walking around punching people until they come and punch you. And then it's like, hey, wait a second, you shouldn't go around punching people. And if that's what it's got to take, then that's what it's got to take. And if they, if it doesn't work on them, then at least they get punched too. But I would like to see the President of the United States, or former President of the United States, release the warrant. I don't know for sure. I am not a lawyer, nor have I ever been raided by a law enforcement agency, and I'm, that's not an invitation. But I would think that when they come over to your house with a warrant, they give you the warrant. You're allowed to see the warrant. Say, here's the warrant. Here's why we're here. You would then be able to contact your attorney, one would think, and uh, keep that copy and you're, so your attorney could go over it. They can't just come in, search your house real quick, and take the warrant with them and get out and your lawyer shows up and you have to try at the best of your recollection, recount what it was that they were there searching for. That's, I don't believe, again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm open to hearing from lawyers. Uh, I don't think that's how it works. So the president could easily release that warrant and say here's what they were look here's what they said here's what they were looking for and here's how it's garbage or that's what they got but what we've gathered so far is that there was a uh, warrant served on Mar-a-Lago here's from the Associated Press the FBI searched Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate as part of an investigation into whether he took classified records from the White House to his Florida residents, people familiar with the matter, said on Monday, a move that represents a dramatic and unprecedented escalation of law enforcement scrutiny of the former president. Now, what would be the justification for that? Now, presidents, first of all, as presidents, get to determine what is and isn't classified. They can declassify anything, literally anything. Um... So if he declassified this as president, as I've seen reported, then it's it's not classified. That being said, if they needed these documents, if somehow these documents were taken in error or taken purposely, you could still handle this much better. The FBI was at Mar-a-Lago looking at these documents back in June. They didn't take the documents then. They were concerned documents were missing or somebody had reported classified documents, so they went down there to check them out. They didn't leave with them. Why would they not leave with them if they were crucial, classified, secret documents that need to be protected? Apparently, all they told them was to uh, store them in a more secure way. 
That's what they were told. Now, what I've heard is that they just added a padlock. I don't know if that's true or not. You can't trust anything that you hear about these stories. That's why we need to hear from the former president. It would be very helpful to hear from the former president's attorney rather than the former president. I think the former president's attorney would have a better handle on what's going on. But as of yet, we have not. You can be cynical and say we're not doing this because it's helping Donald Trump. It's stirring up his base. It's stirring up his passions. It might be helping with fundraising. But the same thing can be said for Democrats. The same thing can be said for Democrats. In fact, Hillary Rodham Clinton was out fundraising off of this thing today. This is who the Democrats are. This is how Democrats are. Hillary Clinton tweeted out a picture of herself with a hat on with uh, butter emails embroidered across the front of it. Now, it's an old picture. They superimposed the... I assume they superimposed the hat and the, uh, the message, the message for sure. Hillary says, but every but her emails had her shirt sold helps onward together partners defend democracy, build a progressive bench and fight for our values. Just saying. And then there's a link to the website. She's joking about it. Of course, she took, she didn't take classified documents. See, the thing about if worst case scenario, Donald Trump squirreled away secretly classified documents in a wildly irresponsible way. I don't think the president could, actually, because the president does get to determine what is and isn't classified, like I said. But if he did, if he took all of these things and squirreled them away, it is impossible to access these documents remotely. To access these documents, you would need to physically breach security at Mar-a-Lago and get to these documents. For that to happen, that would be a pretty pretty neat trick. There's Secret Service protection, not just of the former president, but of the former president's home. Now, granted, he's not down there in Mar-a-Lago right now. He is uh, apparently living up in Bedminster, New Jersey, or Trump Tower, or whatever. He doesn't, nobody wants to summer in Florida. Can't blame him. It's a miserable, hot place up there. But that doesn't mean the Secret Service pulls up stakes and goes home. Said, Woo, we get the summer off. No, there are Secret Service agents whose job it is to guard that property, to secure that property constantly, whether the former president is there or not. That's just how it works. Why? Because if he's not home and they just turn everything off and say, all right, well, we'll see you guys in September. Somebody could break into that place. Somebody could plant explosives around there. Somebody could do all sorts of things. The possibilities are endless. That's why they don't. Joe Biden's oceanfront mansion in Rehoboth Beach has security at it around the clock because somebody might show up and ask him a question. So that's just the way the Secret Service works. They secure areas and keep them secure. Hillary Clinton's breach of our national security secrets were done when she was Secretary of State. She had no authority as Secretary of State to classify or declassify information. She could, well, she could classify it. She couldn't declassify information. The pre- that power rests with the President of the United States. So when people were sending her things on what they assumed was a secure server, They were not. They were sending it to her on an insecure server, an insecure server that could be accessed remotely, that by many published reports was accessed remotely. 
thereby making our security secrets vulnerable. See the difference? You can't hack a piece of paper. You can hack a server. Rather than make sure that her server was not hacked, she wiped it clean. She uh, used a bleach bit and made sure that nothing could be found on it. No fingerprints of anything, of anybody. None. And she also decided what was and wasn't relevant to her government service, quote-unquote, as far as her emails. She deleted 33,000 emails. She turned over 30,000 emails. She turned over the email. It was incomplete, but she largely turned over emails that were sent from other government employees. That doesn't mean that the other ones didn't actually deal with government issues. If, say, Hunter Biden had emailed her, he would not have been emailing her from a .gov email address. Therefore, the origination of that email would not be on a government server. See, Hillary turned over the emails that would have originated on government servers that the government already knew about. And she turned them over in the worst possible, well, the most temper tantrumy way. The douchiest way, to put it mildly. She, turned, she printed them and then had her lawyers scan them and turn it into PDFs. So it was 30,000 PDF files. Why do that rather than just, well, I don't know, put them all on a flash drive and turn them over digitally? You could do it, save trees and all that. You do that because you can't do keyword searches. You do that because it makes it very difficult to go through. It means that anybody interested in finding out about Hillary Clinton before the election and the emails that she sent and only the emails that she turned over, not the ones she deleted, the only way to discover what was in those would be to read them. You can't do keyword searches. That's a long, arduous process. That means that nobody did it. Very few people did it. Things were hidden. Things were missed. We still, for months after the election, were discovering new things in those emails. That's how you do it. That is the most childish way. That You're complying with federal law. Here are the emails, but you're complying with federal law in such a way that it is, you might as well not be. You might as well not be. That's how Hillary complied with federal law but she's out there selling butter email shirts i tell you i'd buy a butter felonies or butter body count hat i'd also buy a but she will never ever be president hat too so at least we've got that and life is about the small things really isn't it i think it is i want to it's not just hillary clinton i want to talk about somebody else who mishandled documents and uh, the consequences for them. There was no raid. There's no raid in Hillary Clinton's case. There's uh, no raid in the case of Sandy Berger. Sandy Berger was the 18th National Security Advisor. He served President Willie Jefferson Clinton. Yes, he did. He served him well. Um, after... The Clintons left office. There was this little thing called 9-11. Remember 9-11? In an attempt to try and find out what in the hell happened, and in a very genuine way, I think, at least at the start, 
they'd set out in a bipartisan way to see what signs were missed. And then the Democrats started trying to make it all about George Bush's fault because it was becoming clear that it was Bill Clinton's administration that had missed many, many, many opportunities to prevent 9-11 and or kill Osama bin Laden. They had it, and uh, they passed on it. They could have killed him. They could have done anything to him. It didn't matter, but they didn't want to do it because they didn't think they had enough on him in a court of law. Like, oh, yeah, he's a terrorist, but we wouldn't be able to convict him. This is the mentality that has kept someone like Khalid Sheikh Mohammed alive for so long. You're sitting there going, what? Yeah, no, that guy is still alive, and he's alive for so long because our legal system has no place in uh, counterterrorism, honestly. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed should have been set on fire immediately upon taking... Maybe you you take him, you beat the hell out of him, you try and extract as much information as humanly possible, and then you set him on fire, slowly, bit by bit, or something, then that'd be too good for him. But no, no, no. We had to take him to Guantanamo Bay, and thanks to liberals freaking out, uh, we had to make sure he had lawyers, and then the liberals stepped up and said he has to have the best lawyers. And now 20-plus years later, he's still there. He's going to die of old age before ever being convicted of anything. He hasn't been convicted of anything. Remember when, uh, I, God God forbid, Joe Biden want to get, get this bug up his butt. Remember when Barack Obama wanted to close Gitmo and get all the people out? Oh, look, we'll bring them all to the United States. If Khalid Sheikh Mohammed were brought to the United States of America, he'd be a free man. Our city would be removed from the uh, safety of 90 miles away in the military justice system. His lawyers would argue that it needs to be a criminal case. And then they would start saying, well, what about where'd you get this evidence and blah, blah, blah. And we demand that he be and he'd be released. They should have just killed him. But the looking into... What happened on 9-11 so that it might uh, be more difficult to happen again? They would never prevent it from happening again, but that it might be more difficult to happen again was a bipartisan and important thing. And we needed, for it to be effective, we needed to be able to do what? Take everything and find out, get all the information humanly possible. Get to the bottom of it. It's what you need to do. If you want to know how to prevent something or have a higher percentage of possibility of preventing something horrible from happening in the future, you have to have access to what the hell went wrong in the first place. Enter Sandy Berger. I'll just read you from his um, from his Wikipedia page. Is this, it, it sums it up pretty well. In late... 2003, Berger was called to testify before the 9-11 Commission regarding steps taken against terrorism during his tenure and the information he provided to his, his successor, Condoleezza Rice. At the time, Berger was also acting as an informal, former, former, uh, informal foreign policy advisor to Senator John Kerry during his campaign for the presidency. He quit his advisory role after the controversy arose regarding his preparations for testifying before the September 11th committee. You're sitting there and you're going, what in the hell? Well, things are getting difficult to get to the bottom of. They, 
sugarcoat things on Wikipedia. If it's a conservative, you can edit it to the end. He murdered the woman, and then they lock it, and you say you can't edit it anymore. But if it's Ted Kennedy, he had a little bit of a traffic skirmish. Uh, Insurance information was exchanged. Nothing further is known. So on July 19, 2004, it was revealed that the United States Department of Justice was investigating Berger for unauthorized removal of classified documents in October of 2003 from a National Archives reading room prior to testifying before the 9-11 Commission. Unauthorized. Unauthorized is polite speak for illegal. The documents were five classified copies of a single report commissioned from Richard Clark covering the internal assessment of the Clinton administration's handling of the unsuccessful 2000 Millennium Attack plot. An associate of Berger said Berger took one copy in September 2003 and four copies in October of 2003, allegedly by stuffing the documents in his socks and his pants. What did that document say? We don't know. He destroyed them. Berger subsequently lied to investigators when questioned about the removal of the documents. So what was in those documents? What happened? Was it him covering his own rear end about his failures? Hmm? Was it? We don't know. He destroyed them. It's weird. Now, there were the the millennial plots were to blow up and attack uh, LAX, LA International Airport, so on and so forth. It didn't happen. But what could possibly be in there, in those documents that now no longer exist, that would have somebody willing to commit a crime to cover up their involvement? It's either he's trying to save himself a bunch of face, or he's trying to save Bill Clinton. Maybe because Hillary was it was clear Hillary was going to run sooner or later, and he wanted to get in there, stay in their good graces. Who don't know? But Sandy Berger was then he had his home raided. He was sentenced to twenty years in prison for destruction of government property. No, no, that's not true. In April 2005, Berger pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge of unauthorized removal and retention of classified material from the National Archives in Washington, D.C. I'm going to read that again just so you know. In 2005, Berger pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge of unauthorized removal and retention of classified material from the National Archives. Berger was fined $50,000, sentenced to serve two years probation and 100 hours of community service, and stripped of his security clearance for three years. For three years. You violate clearly. Look, you can say all you want about Donald Trump, but the, the idea that he was personally packing up boxes of documents when he left the White House is preposterous. All right? Sandy Berger went to where documents are stored for all Americans to access. He accessed some that presumably made him not look so great and maybe Bill Clinton not look so great. And he took them. 
He didn't accidentally stick them in his pocket. Oh, he was going to the bathroom, and he wanted to have some reading material, so he grabbed these documents. And then while there, he's like, oh, there's no real sink to set them on. There's no shelf or anything. I'll fold them up, put them in my pocket, and oops, I forgot to take them. No. In two separate trips, he took every single copy of this document that existed by stuffing them in his socks, down his pants, and then getting them home and destroying them. And he gets a $50,000 fine, two years probation, and stripped of his security clearance for three years. For three years! <laughs> That's, you are untrustworthy, sir, for the next three years. And then you can have access to all of these things. <sighs> the Justice Department initially said Berger only stole copies of the classified documents and not originals, but the House Government Reform Committee later revealed that an unsupervised Berger had been given access to classified files of original, uncopied, uninventory documents on terrorism. Did he take other things? Well, we really only had Sandy Burglar's word on that one. I never did. No, I just took these things totally by accident. Well, there's no record of it. There's no inventory. They're all originals. They're gone. What did Sandy Burger really do? He's dead. We don't know. But uh, given the idea that he would do what he did admit to doing, would you put anything past him? And yet he faced nothing. It was a misdemeanor charge. It was a misdemeanor charge. It's sad. During the House Government Reform and Oversight Committee hearings, Nancy Kagan Smith, who was the director of the presidential documents staff at the National Archives and Records Administration, acknowledged that she had granted Berger access to original materials in her office. On December 20th, 2006, Inspector Paul Broschfield, whatever, Broschfeld, reported that Berger took a break to go outside without an escort. Quote, in total during his visit, he removed four documents. Mr. Berger said he placed the documents under a trailer in an accessible construction area outside the archives. Berger acknowledged having retrieved the documents from the construction area and returned them to his office. Now, isn't that funny? He didn't just stick them in his socks. He stuck them in his socks, and I'm going to go outside and get some fresh air, walk to a construction site, hid them under a trailer. This is broad. The National Archives is not open at 2 o'clock in the morning, ladies and gentlemen. National Archives is my favorite building in Washington, D.C., because you can view the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. It is open during sunlight hours, which means it would seem a little weird. Like, Why is that little man over there, that round man, shimmying under there, stuffing things under a cinder block? Did other people, did foreign agents? It's unlikely, but it's possible. It's possible. What would be the consequence? Nothing. Nothing for Sandy Berger. Nothing. He just returned later and got them. On May 17, 2007, Berger relinquished his license to practice law as a result of the Justice Department's investigation, saying, quote, I have decided to voluntarily relinquish my license. While I derived great satisfaction from my years of practicing law, I have not done so for 15 years and do not envision, envision returning to the profession. I am very sorry for what I did and deeply apologize. 
by giving up his license, Berger avoided cross-examination by the Bar Council regarding details of his theft. He was filthy rich already. He wasn't going anywhere. He'd got his money. He hadn't practiced law in 15 years. Here you go. Well, here, I'll give up my dreams of being a dentist, even though I've never had dreams of being a dentist. But if you want to punish me, there you go. I'll give up my dreams of being a dentist. He walked away scot-free. His house was never raided. His house was never raided. His future, his career after the White House was never really <laughs> impacted either. Now, he, he died in 2015, so he's not around anymore. He will likely not be mentioned in terms of what these uh, people on the media are talking about now. But this is the most egregious, absolutely 100% the most egregious. Berger had no ability to declassify anything. He had no say, no sway, no nothing. This, he'd even, he wasn't even in office anymore. He couldn't even claim ownership of these things. And well, in the course of my duty, no, he went in there expressly under the guise of, I want to be able to give the best testimony humanly possible to the 9-11 Commission so that I might help prevent these horrible things from happening again. And what did he do? He ended up stealing documents, five that we know of. That we know of. We only have his word to go on because they gave him access to originals uh, that have not been inventoried. Five that we know of. And he got two years probation and a $50,000 fine. Never, ever once raided by the FBI or anybody. Oh, he turned in his law license, which he didn't want anyway. Such punishment. Here, here here's an old pair of shoes that haven't fit me for about five years. Take them and consider this penance. That's not penance. That's not how it works. Well, unless you're a Democrat, then that's exactly how it works. All right, I want to play you, because um, this is going to change. I want to play you how CNN actually first reported the, the Trump raid or whatever the hell it is. Again, I don't know what it is. To point out how absurd, well, how absurd the media coverage will be. Let's just be honest. How absurd the media coverage will get. It will get that bad. Trust me. It will get worse. So I just want, this is how CNN actually reported. And this is, this seems to be a fairly accurate and fair assessment of what was known at the time. Of course, once you get time to think about it and liberals involved and everything, it all gets screwed up. But this seems to be pretty accurate and fair. What we know, based on our sources, is that in early June of this year, uh, there was a meeting that occurred at Mar-a-Lago between attorneys representing former President Donald Trump and agents there looking to see if there was classified information being stored on the property. And it's this meeting that sort of precipitated the search that was executed at Donald Trump's residence in Palm Beach yesterday. We were told from sources who were present for the meeting that at the time, attorneys for Donald Trump shared documents, turned them over and showed them that there were, uh, there were in fact, documents being held at Mar-a-Lago that had classified markings on them. Uh, the agents who were present then asked to see where these documents were being stored. They were taken to a basement room on the property, we're told, and just days after that meeting occurred, they were given, a, they were sent a letter 
uh, asking them to create a more secure location for these documents to be held at Trump's property. And, and we're told that aides to the former president actually then put a padlock on the room where these documents were stored in order to comply with that letter asking for them to be uh, kept in a more secure location. Now, that occurred in June of this year. Yesterday, of course, the former president's Mar-a-Lago residence was searched by the FBI. And we were told that there were documents taken away uh, from, from, the, from the residence during that search. Um, an attorney for the former president, Christina Bob, who also happens to be a former host of One America, a One American News show, confirmed to us that, quote, paper uh, was taken away and removed during the search yesterday. So there you go. That seems like a pretty decent assessment of a recitement of what happened. Why it happened is what we need to know. Why it happened. Why did they decide to do this crap? Why did they decide to do this thing now? That's the mystery for the ages, if that's all there is to it, which could be easily cleared up by the FBI coming out and saying, here's what we did and why we did it, or the Trump lawyers saying, here's the warrant, and there you go. That we don't know yet what was really going on or what have you is uh, is something to behold. But meanwhile, all these leftists are demanding, are they're declaring things to be true. Now, if what, what you just heard on CNN sounds pretty innocuous, does it not? That sounds pretty innocuous. They saw these documents. <clears throat> they asked that they be more secured. They didn't take them. They didn't seemingly want them. And so they uh, they were more secured. Remember, they say a padlock was a padlock added to it. The property is protected by the Secret Service. So, you know, you kind of got to get past the Secret Service before you can get to the, the master lock and cut that thing. It's not just that simple. You just walk in there and uh, with a, a bolt cutter and cut the lock. What changed? If that's what they took what changed. And if that's what they took, if they had a very specific warrant for give us these documents secured in this area, then was it really a raid? Or was it just the serving of a, a warrant for specific documents? Because I, I look at a raid as we need to go and search. We're going to flip over the mattresses. We're going to check all the cabinets. We're going to check under the sink. We're going to make sure. I don't know that what happened. We need to know more of what happened. But both sides are um, going crazy. Now, one side may be more right than the other. I don't know. I tend to fall on the side of the right where this is outrageous. It seems to me that this could have been done any number of different ways and certainly would not have caused the news story freakouts that they've got. But it wouldn't have gotten the headlines. It wouldn't have, got, it wouldn't have thrown red meat to the left-wing base who desperately wants more than anything in the world. I think if you gave, I think if you gave a Democrat a choice between curing cancer and seeing Donald Trump handcuffed and arrested, they would choose Donald Trump being handcuffed and arrested. I honestly believe that. They simply don't care about anything else. They are single-mindedly focused on going after him because his existence upset their sensibilities. And it still does. To the point they can't get over it. They are they treat him like the ex-boyfriend. I don't even like he's a jerk. All, he, all they do is talk about how big of a jerk their ex-boyfriend is, but they uh, never shut up about their ex-boyfriend. 
why don't you shut up about your ex-boyfriend? If, if uh, he's such a jerk, shouldn't you be grateful that you're no longer in a relationship with him? And should you move on? Why won't you move on? Why can't you move on? Don't know. They don't say. David Axelrod, former brain of Barack Obama, said one thing is very clear. Garland would not have authorized this raid, and no federal judge would have signed off on it if there weren't significant evidence to warrant it. This is the mantra of the left. And I would remind everybody who isn't of the left, because there's no convincing anybody on the left. It's, it's almost worth, not worth talking to them. You're welcome to listen, but I just, unless you're literally willing to hear a possibility and entertain it, there's no point in having a conversation. They said the same thing about Carter Page, right? Carter Page. A man who served this country with distinction, a man who risked his life, a decorated, I believe, naval veteran who had not only served in the military, but had served in clandestine ways, meaning spy ways, working with the CIA against our enemies, against Russia. And because they wanted a phone tapped inside the Trump campaign, inside the Trump orbit, They wanted that camel's nose under the tent. They labeled him a traitor. They manufactured evidence against him. They took it to a judge. The judge signed off because it's a FISA where nobody knows it's all super secretive. But they lied on the FISA warrant. They lied on the FISA warrant and the consequences for doing so, for violating the rights of an American citizen who not only had done nothing wrong, but had actually done the opposite of what they were accusing him of. The consequences for the people who did that was exactly nothing. Exactly nothing. They faced no consequences. There was no criminal charges, nothing against them. They got away with it. So to sit there and say, well, one thing is very clear, they had to have had really good evidence, that doesn't doesn't pass the smell test. Remember Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Whitler out there in uh, Michigan. The story was what? Oh my God, those Trump supporters are going to... They tried to kidnap her. They plotted to kidnap her. They were going to kidnap her, take her out of the woods, and kill her. That's not really a kidnapping plot. That's more of a murder plot. But it was they were going to kidnap her. They're going to take her. They're kidnapping these Trump supporters. They're, oh, my goodness, there's nine of them. They're monsters, or however many there were. And what did we learn as a part of the trial that they actually brought? That everybody involved, seemingly, was an FBI agent or an FBI informant, not an FBI agent. I don't think an agent would have done this directly, but FBI informants. Dim-witted, gullible people whom they've gotten on other charges that they, you know, we're going to, we can look the other way on this if you help us snare some people, form a militia, start this government, the whole thing. It's like, uh, it's like a, a, a DEA agent buying undercover, undercover buying drugs from another DEA agent. Just two brand. They didn't know what was going. The FBI completely dropped the ball on this Whitmer garbage. 
They face no consequences from it. There was a mistrial in, in a couple of the cases and uh, not guilty verdicts in others. Nobody's been convicted of this. This dead to rights evidence that they had against these people as how uh, we were told. How many times did you see Gretchen Whitmer on television clutching her pearls going, they were trying, they wanted to kill me. They wanted to kill me. Now, the FBI came up with the idea. The FBI recruited the people. The FBI did all of it. They concocted the whole plan. And yeah, if you want to worry about somebody, Gretch, you should probably worry about the FBI. Somebody at the FBI has it out for you. But more importantly, somebody at the FBI concocted this scam and entrapped Americans because of their politics. Entrapped their Americans because of their politics. That's the easiest and most direct and most honest way to put it. That's what they did. And so Axelrod, they would never do this if it weren't serious. Yes, they would. If they were totally serious, if they had the goods, they would have arrested Donald Trump. If they had the goods on anything, they would be screaming it from the mountaintop, would they not? They not only would have presented it to a grand jury, they would have presented it to the public at this point. They haven't done anything. This had nothing to do with January the 6th, that they said, oh, we're getting close, the walls are closing in, they're talking to this person, the walls are closing in, they're talking to that person. No, the walls are staying exactly where they've always been. That's what walls do. Your mind is closing. That's the difference. Your mind is closing in. Your mind is closing down shop. Honestly, that's what's really going on. Let's shift gears, because until we know more about this raid, I just, it's wild speculation, but there's a lot, I at least got the questions out there that need to be asked. Now this, let's peer into the future. No, don't get excited. I'm not going to be giving out winning lottery numbers, at least not yet. But I got a good feeling about seven. Uh, this story from CNN, if you want to look into the future of the United States, look into the present of Europe. As Germany is in an absolute mess. They're in a mess about um, their energy. They dependent on Russia. They shut down everything. They're trying to restart it. They're going back to coal because they have failed. They put a green agenda over the best interests of their people. They did it. And they're not alone. UK is going to be, it's going to be a long winter in the UK, let's just say. CNN Business. Nearly one-third of households in the United Kingdom will face poverty this winter after paying energy bills that are set to soar again in January, campaigners say. About 10.5 million households will be in fuel poverty for the first three months of next year, according to estimates from the End Fuel Poverty Coalition, published on Tuesday, meaning that their income after paying for energy will fall below the poverty line. The UK government defines poverty as household income of less than 60% of the UK median, which stood at £31,000 or $37,500 in 2021, according to official statistics. The predictions are based on new estimates from research firm Cornwall Insight, also published Tuesday, that show the average household energy bill is expected to hit 
3,583 pounds or $4,335 a year from October and 4,266 pounds or $5,163 from January, equating to about 355 pounds or $430 a month to heat your home. Could you imagine that? Now, look, heating your home isn't cheap and heating your home isn't free. But to pony up $430 a month to do it, to stave off freezing to death? Now, you could say, well, what's causing, what's causing this is the green agenda. They won't ever really come out and say it, but that's what it is. They create an energy shortage. We're going green. We're going green, everybody, just like uh, Will, Will Ferrell in old school. Was it old school? We're going streaking. We're going. We're going green. Eh, Will Ferrell's naked body is actually better. <laughs> it's a it's a more pleasant look of the future than uh, what these leftists are proposing. January's forecast represents a 116 percent increase in energy bills from current levels as fuel prices surge. Estimates are having trouble keeping pace. Last week, Cornwall Insights predicted January's prices would rise by 83% from current levels. So in just, what is that, a a week, they're up another almost 25 percentage points. The research firm said it revised its figures because of a jump in wholesale prices and a change in the way the UK regulator calculates its price cap. But there could be relief on the horizon. Cornwall Insights expect bills to start falling in the second half of 2023. Yes, heating bills will start. They're predicting a fall. I predict your, like going to my car neck all of a sudden, I put the envelope to my head. I predict your heating bills will drop significantly starting in May. May through, I don't know, August. Maybe September. They will drop significantly. Oh, great. That'll be great to have my heating bills. Now let's talk about your air conditioning costs, because those will skyrocket. You ready for this? You ready to do these sorts of things under the guise of the left's new religion of climate change? Or just really their old religion of government control? That's what they're pushing. Fuel bills started rising last year as the global natural gas supply crunch pushed wholesale prices up to record levels. Uh, The natural gas supply crunch, which was facilitated by the Biden administration, shutting down energy exploration and production here in the United States of America, when we were a net energy exporter, not just energy independent, a net energy exporter. And then we transformed into being energy dependent on the Middle East. We get a president who flies over to Saudi Arabia, debases himself in front of the Saudis and gets nothing in return. Well, that's not entirely true. He got mocked repeatedly in return, too. So there is that. The comedy gold. You know, the thing that the worst part of all of this is if Saturday Night Live were actually interested in being funny rather than partisan, they would have a gold mine of material from which to mine. But they don't avail themselves of any of it, so we end up with tired, Joe Biden is brilliant, Republicans are terrible, 
It's amazing how Republicans can ruin things when they can't do anything. They literally cannot stop anything. They cannot pass anything. They have no say in anything. And Democrats are proudly going, we're passing this without any Republicans on board. But somehow the comedy writers on late night and, well, alleged comedy writers on late night, it's all Republicans' fault. Everything. The average UK household bill has already risen 54% this year, exacerbating a cost-of-living crisis that forced many Britons to choose between heating and eating. In May, the government announced a £15 billion or $18 billion package of support, including a $400 or $484 payment to 29 million households from October to ease the burden of energy bills. Now, doesn't that sound familiar here in the United States? Government causes a problem, causes prices to spike, and government says, don't worry, we've got the solution. We're going to cut you a check. Well, you don't have the money. Government, you're not sitting on a huge pile of cash. You're sitting on a huge pile of paper that you can run through a printer that you can turn into cash, but that does what? It devalues the value of the existing cash because suddenly the supply of cash has increased significantly. What does that lead to? Oh, yes, inflation. You see how that works? The UK is suffering just as bad inflation as the United States is. Why? Because they have the same stupid policy prescriptions for the same problems they've caused. What's funny is here in the United States, these problems are caused by liberal progressive Democrats pushing their agenda through come what may. Nothing's going to stop them. Come hell or high water, they're going straight through. In the UK, the so-called conservatives are in charge. I told you all the time, the conservatives in the UK are not conservatives as we understand them to be. They're not conservatives as we understand them to be, but hell, the Republicans in this country aren't really conservatives as we understand them to be. So the UK is screwed. Their screwing is more immediate than ours, but we are moving toward this, this giant build back better piece of garbage that the the media is now kind of laughing, going, well, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which doesn't really do anything about inflation, is really going to address the green thing. What are they doing? They're subsidizing so-called green technologies, and they're forcing the use of green technologies as well. Not as much as they want to, and not as much as they will in the future, but they will. And when you force the use of these things, you find out just how unreliable they truly are. Look at California. You find out how truly unreliable they are. Are you willing to put your hands, your fate, your heat, your family's comfort, your family's safety, really, because this is a safety issue, in the hands of people who look this way? People who think this way, people who look at you as an obstacle, not something that is to be protected, not a human being with rights. Are you willing to put your power, give these people power? Hell no. We are going to be the UK sooner rather than later. I would maybe by this winter. 
Who the hell knows? Energy costs will go up. Inflation will continue to rise. They will find a way to recalculate it. They will say, well, inflation was 9.1%, or it was up a little bit, but now it's going down a little bit, right? It was 9% up. Now it's only uh, 8.7% up. That's a decrease. Inflation is on its way down. It's not the way it works. You got another trillion dollar boondoggle coming your way. And as you hear these people talk about the so-called green agenda, keep in mind this important fact. If wind and solar worked, they wouldn't need to be subsidized. If you came up with a way to generate energy by smacking two rocks together and you had a machine, it was a perpetual motion machine that would continue to smack those two rocks together, thereby producing clean, cheap energy at little to no cost. You wouldn't need to run to the government for anything more than perhaps a patent protection. Anything else you ran to the government for would be ridiculous. You'd just be inviting problems. You don't want the government as your partner. Private equity, private cash would be rolling to your door like you wouldn't believe. Like those floods that are happening right now in South Korea. That's how much money would be rolling towards your door. Everybody with a dime to invest would be throwing it at you going, please let me in on this. This is an amazing, amazing invention. If solar panels worked, they wouldn't need to be subsidized. If windmills worked, they wouldn't need to be subsidized. Even if they were cost efficient, cost effective. They wouldn't need to be subsidized. That Democrats are subsidizing them and are proposing continued subsidizing of them in addition to mandating their use. Tells you a lot. A good product you don't have to mandate the use of. Nobody mandated the use of a car when they started rolling off the Ford factory assembly line. They didn't have to do that. The people saw it and the people wanted it, and the people could afford it. Now the people can't afford it. They don't want it. But the government is forcing them to use it. And when the chips hit the fan, to mix your metaphors, and the rolling blackout and rolling brownouts start, that will be caused by the government. Oh, they'll claim it's those big, bad, evil, meanie, bumbalinis in business. But it is not them. The business did not roll out something that is not ready for prime time. They just wanted the money. They were getting the money. So you want to see what the future is going to be like? Look at the UK. $430 a month to heat your home in winter. Can you afford that? You ready to afford that? Even if you could afford it, are you budgeted for it? I bet you probably, I don't know, what is it, 50, 100 bucks, depending on where you live, 50 to 100, maybe 150 bucks in a particularly cold winter to heat your house. That ain't nothing. You ain't seen nothing yet. I don't know if you've seen this or not. There's new video circulating on social media. I don't know what was going on at the White House today. There's Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and some gigantic black guy and some tiny, skinny white woman and the president of the United States. Chuck Schumer is at the podium. And he finishes his remarks 
turns around, shakes the hand of the President of the United States, then shakes the hand of the black guy, shakes the hand of Nancy Pelosi, shakes the hand of the uh, other woman there, who I don't know who it is. And Joe Biden, after he shakes Joe Biden's hand first, then goes to the black guy. Then Joe Biden puts his hand out like, why aren't you shaking my hand? Shakes his hand out to shake again. Literally, it's not even five seconds after. Joe Biden shakes hands, shakes hands with the other guy. And then Joe's like ready to go, like, wait, where's my handshake? And he's standing there confused, like, what the hell is going on? Why aren't you shaking? Why are you you dismissing me like this? Shake my hand. You sit there and you go, this, what in the hell is going on? What in the hell is going on with this guy? We know what's going on with this guy. He's lost his damn mind. (laughs) He's not there anymore. He couldn't retain it. For five seconds. I suggest you go and find the video. I suggest you go and just look at it for yourself. And maybe you can draw a different conclusion. Maybe you could sit there and say, hey, uh, I don't know what the hell you saw, but clearly Joe Biden was joking or whatever. Whatever. I don't know what you would say that Joe Biden is doing here. It is bizarre. Then again, everything that the left does universally in this country and around the world is wildly bizarre and set to created for the express purposes of control get you to obey and sadly so many people do obey and that's the only reason here are my pronouns today here are my pronouns tomorrow here it is today here it is tomorrow here it here it is now oh okay well wait yes i'm calling you by yesterday's pronouns well that's a hate crime now how is it a hate crime it just is obey they keep you on edge so that you're afraid to say anything that's what they want they want you on edge so you're afraid to say anything so you're afraid to question anything you sit there and you say are we are we allowed to question this i don't know am i allowed to question this am i allowed to have these thoughts and so you end up keeping them to yourself they do it over around the world too uk daily mail the National Health Service, their socialized medicine over there. National Health Service has been accused of trying to erase women after the UK Daily Mail revealed the term women and girls had been omitted from guidance about you know, just periods, women's cycles. The website funded by the Welsh government to give advice on menstruation refers to them as people who bleed and half of the population, just half of the population, half of the population can be any half of the population. Half of the population likes Star Wars. Half of the population likes Star Trek. So if you're referring to half the population, well, which half of the population? Medics and campaign would describe the language as infuriating and confusing, warning it would complicate health messaging for vulnerable girls. Well, if you're talking about vulnerable girls, meaning girls who are actual girls, not some sort of trans whatever or some sort of special segregated group that the left has created in order to, to conquer, divide and conquer. So you don't matter. You don't count. It doesn't count. It doesn't matter. If, you know, regular normal girls start committing suicide because they're being otherized, the left isn't going to give a damn. They simply aren't. 
Well, it's all about, you know, the unit of measure. Say it all the time. I'll say it again. If you control the unit of measure, you control everything. I guarantee you more girls, real girls, commit suicide every year than trans women in just real numbers. But as a percentage, it's much higher in trans. you got 10 trans women, trans girls, and three of them commit suicide. Well, it doesn't matter if you've got a thousand girls and a hundred of them commit suicide or 10, 50 of them commit suicide. The percentages are higher in the trans community and therefore it's a bigger tragedy to the left. It's not actually. They don't care about either. It's just one is useful and one isn't. The website revealed how terms like women had been scrubbed from pages after menopause and womb cancer and breastfeeding replaced with chest feeding. The guidance on periods has been published by Bloody Brilliant, an online resource commissioned by the devolved labor government and the uh, National Health Service in Wales. It was set up in 2021 with the aim of, quote, breaking the taboo around conversations and conversations on one of the most normal, natural topics. And there it is. We are Bloody Brilliant, a source of knowledge, support, information, and empowerment for young people who bleed across Wales. Well, I had some blood drawn yesterday at the doctor's office. I bled. Is that, is that for me, too? See, it's, it's very important. Context matters. Facts. At least they used to. They should. Here's how the uh, the language has changed in the National Health Service. Now, this is the official government. This is, again, a government that is allegedly controlled by conservatives. The Tories are in charge. For menopause, the old menopause is when a woman stops having periods. New menopause is when your period stops. Well, I'm in, I have been menopause my, menopause my entire life, ladies and gentlemen. Proud of it. Ovarian cancer used to be referred to as one of the most common types of cancer in women. Now it's anyone with ovaries can get ovarian cancer. Theoretically true, but it's more relevant, more important to know that, you know, it's one of the most common types of cancer in women. I suppose you probably say, probably say, it's one of the most common types of cancer in people who have ovaries. I mean, ovarian cancer? You mean, you mean people who don't have ovaries don't run risk of ovarian cancer? Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I'll sleep easy tonight. Breastfeeding and breast milk have become chest feeding and human milk. Human milk. Such a... It kind of actually reduces human beings to livestock. There's a difference. I know to the left, they want to give... But there's a difference. But there's a difference. But there's a difference between humans and animals. And then, uh, God, how do they live with themselves? Miscarriage. Women who know they're pregnant and people who know they're pregnant. People who know they're pregnant. The period, blah, blah, blah. If pregnancy doesn't occur during the cycle, it goes on to do that. Buddy Brilliant was set up last August by the National Health Service Wales and the Welsh government. Cost 84,000 pounds. It was outsourced to English Creative Marketing Social Change UK. 
right there. You think, oh, this is government. Government doesn't do the, well, government does do these things because they pay for them. But government says we're putting this up for bid. And all these groups come in, all these left-wing groups come in and say, we'll do it, we'll administer it, we'll, we'll subcontract this thing. And what do you end up with? You end up with garbage like this. Aim is to break the aim is to break the taboo around periods and encouraging conversations on the one of the most normal natural topics that half the world's populations experience. Half the world's population, the people who like Star Trek, right? But it fails to mention women or girls once in its guidance, instead being described as anyone with a uterus. In its description of puberty, the terms are omitted in favor of child. Quote, when a child's been growing, including growing, including growing pubic hair, boobs, and starting to develop growing taller and starting your period, the website reads. In a section about ending period stigma, the website ironically says, no more hiding, covering up, or awkward euphemisms. We need some straight talking. Yeah, we need some straight talk, not about, you know, the reality of biology, but about whatever else. <laughs> Dr. Carl, a nurse, a nurse and midwifery expert in the Western Sydney University in Australia, told the Mail Online the confusing language was unhelpful. Quote, it seems to have gone from menstruation being unmentionable contributing to much distress and difficulty for many young girls around their period to the fact that it is girls and women who have periods being unmentionable end quote neither of these are good things she added clarity of clarity of clarity about who actually goes through menstruation could confuse both girls and the wider public this is the world we live in this is the world that we are allowing being created by these leftists, by these lunatics, by these nutballs. Well, it's not women who menstruate. It's anybody who menstruates. Anybody can. Half the population. On any given day, percent of the, po- percent of the population wakes up with this problem. 50%. Huh. Seems like sooner or later, I would have, if that were the case... I would have woken up, you would have woken up with this. That we haven't might lead us to believe that there could be something else besides mere existence that would be a contributing factor to this. And while theoretically, mathematically, 51% of the population would wake up to this thing, it is always the same 51% of the population. That's the part they leave out. And they ignore the very distinct and important and viva la difference differences that causes it to be the same half of the population. Always. Always. They love women. They just don't want women to exist. They love women. They just want men to be women. They love women, in fact, so much that they want to be women themselves, and it turns out that men are the best women possible, or something like that. You look at it any way you look at it, any way you slice it and dice it and tuck it and roll it back upon itself, it doesn't change the reality of things. But they force you to pretend that it does. They force you to pretend that it does, with threats of... Hate crimes with threats of fines. Out in California, they tried to fine state employees in nursing homes 
who misgendered residents. Not because they, they got Mrs. Jones mis- mixed up with Mr. Jones, but because Mr. Jones now demands to be called Miss Jones. And if you screw that up, you could lose your job, you could face jail time. They wanted that. It didn't pass. It passed in California, then it was tossed out. But they're trying to instill it in California again. Because why? Because stupidity, left-wing radicalism always starts off, or usually starts off in California. And you can say, well, that's just California. What are you going to do when you're getting that much sun? you got to expect people to be pretty dumb. You do. You do, and they, you're right. They are. The problem is the sun shines everywhere. Problem is that stupidity spreads like a cold on a plane. What's happening in California now is just prologue. They're coming for you. They're going to do this where you are. You could say, well, this is the UK. It doesn't matter. It's the UK for now. It's the UK for now. The UK went first with socialized medicine. Do you feel safe? from the prospect of socialized medicine because it was the UK that did it and Canada that did it and not the United States? Or do you see our left looking to there for inspiration, picking and choosing certain things and saying, look, it's so wonderful. Ignoring the long wait lists, ignoring the prioritization of certain people based on statistics and based on whatever it is they decide, some government bureaucrat deciding someone's life is worth it and someone else's life isn't worth it. Being denied care, being denied access to drugs. They don't show that. They don't see that. Stupidity spreads like a cold on a plane and it is thorough. It is truly the pandemic of the 21st century, progressivism. I tell you, being in media, even tangentially, you get all sorts of solicitations. I love this email exchange. I I don't know. They have no, the the PR people, you can't blame them. They have no idea who they're emailing or why they're emailing anybody or what they're emailing. But it's funny to read them sometimes. Just like, you know, you sign up for a DNC fundraiser list and suddenly you're on all the email lists. And you get all these fringe groups, these nut groups, sending you just the craziest pitches. Give us money because of this. We're about to flip Texas. No, you're not. Yes, we are. Beto's going to be the next. No, if you just give us $5 or else we're going home. And these emails, I, I, I write about them all the time for Town Hall, but it's the VIP column just because they're so damn funny. This one's funny. The subject line is chili lime snacks for toddlers. Only Latina kid food founder and one of the few Latinas who raised over $7 million. That's the subject line. You're like, what the hell kind of, what is this? And it's a pitch. It's from, I'm not going to talk about the the public relations thing. She, It's a woman. She lists herself as a public relations angel investor and beauty entrepreneur. And so I said, hi, Derek. Since I haven't, now the, the generic thing is they just, they, they're not personalizing each one of these things because every once in a while you get an email like, Dear uh, Human or whatever. You can tell where the email program that they used send out did not uh, insert the name in the right spot. It was an error. And so everybody gets it. Dear Human. I said, Hi, Derek. Since I haven't heard back, I wanted to send a great story and samples for you, colon. She's still the only Latina food or Latina kid food founder 
in the CPG industry and just created the first kid snack based on Latin American flavors. That last part is in uh, bold for some reason. Then it says Latinx kids. Latinx. Now they're using Latin all over. Latina, the Latin, and Latinx kids take up about a quarter of the U.S. population. They take it up. They're just hoarding a quarter of the population. And yet there are zero Latina-founded or flavored kid food brands. I had no idea that was such a horrible dearth of Latina kid flavor. Wait, Latina kid? They're flavored kids? What's going on here? Enter somebody whose name, even if I tried to pronounce it, it wouldn't, it doesn't matter. That Latina mom and founder of this company now ranked a top five brand in national toddler snacks, snacks who just finished raising $7 million. Now you're sitting there and you're going, why the hell would I ever, what does this have to do with any, they're trying to pitch me to, to get this person on the radio show. It's like, why would I ever in a million, oh, cause they raised $7 million. Oh, great. Well, that's not interesting at all. Aside from the stupid, racial aspect of it and the person the daughter of a banana farmer and agricultural entrepreneur in ecuador is leveraging her culture to develop new flavor ideas including party like a piña pineapple chili lime for her groovies line like what other products include herbs and spices traditionally used in latin american cooking like rosemary Mushrooms, peppers, cardamom, and garlic. Now, when I think garlic, I think Italian. I embrace my Italian side. I put garlic on just about everything but breakfast cereal. Rosemary, I absolutely love rosemary. I didn't realize that was Latin American. And mushrooms and peppers, all this stuff is not unique. The company, whose name I won't say, is the first ever savory kid brand to launch in the market in 2014 with no hidden sugary goop or masked veggies in an effort to train kids' palates to learn to love savory foods. The brand has raised over $7 million, grown to 5,000 stores nationwide, including, and then blah, 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 list of stores they're in. She's been on Shark Tank, and she was the winner of the Chobani Startup Accelerator. She's a former NBA executive who... Okay, wait. There's suddenly her rags to her rags to riches story goes from rags to riches to riches to to more riches, or at least a different type of riches. And so it goes on from there. But I, uh, it's like, can I connect you with the story or send over some samples? I just responded, "What is a Latinx kid?" <laughs> it's always. It's always, I don't know this person, maybe they're not, but it's the woman's name and the, the fact that they use Latinx, liberal and white. It's just what comes to mind. So I responded, what is a Latinx kid? They write back, a child, girl or boy, who is of Latin American origin or descent. No, it's not. There's Latina or Latino, if you really want to do that. But no, this is politically correct garbage. You're sitting there going, first of all, what what radio show? What radio show? I guess NPR would probably go, wait, we can talk nacho chips for uh, 15 minutes and probably talk about, make it all about ethnicity. And I bet you could get somebody involved here to talk about how horribly racist and oppressive this country is. I'm in. 
I'm in. Let's do it. So maybe there is a market for this. But I look at this stuff and I just say, what the hell is wrong with this country? The hell is wrong with these people? Hey, do you want to talk about uh, nacho chips? Because, you know, the pineapple, chili, and lime is a flavor that no, well, except for all the other ones that are basically the same. Like, I love a good Tostitos hint of lime chip. But I'm not going to get the uh, Frederick Frito or whatever the hell, Chester Cheeto, on the show to talk about. Is that Chester Cheeto? I think it's Chester Cheeto. I'm not going to get Chester Cheeto on the show to talk about the uh, the lime flavored or whatever. You got to feel a little bit better. I mean, except for that you realize that these people are wildly overpaid, usually. But you got to feel a little bit bad for them because imagine waking up one day and you go, all right, well, what do I have to do today? I have to sell snacks, get publicity for snacks. How do you get publicity for snacks? I mean, maybe you'd, you'd dump a boatload of them on Fifth Avenue or something like that. I don't know how you get publicity for snacks. So in that sense, you feel a little bit sorry for them. But on the other sense, you sit there and you go, the way you choose to do it, how about this stuff's really good and people are really talking about it. We're going to knock off and we're going to be the next big thing. And then you kind of try and get people to be the next big thing. Like instead of saying we're going to be the next big thing in Latinx kids lunches. Well, uh, you lost me there. You lost me. Boy, I could do a whole show on just the fundraising and PR pitch emails that I get. They're so weird. You have to feel bad for these people. You do. You just sit there and you go, you have to send about the, hey, just, just so you see. Let's see this one. On a verge of collapse is the, the subject line. Senate nightmares from trained Democrats. CNN just unleashed a shocking prediction. We're on the verge of losing four Democratic Senate seats. Not what CNN did. And then there's a picture of Mitch McConnell. And they say, National Democratic Training Committee is dedicated to training Democrats and we can save and expand our majorities. All you need to do is give them $5 right now or else they're going to take their ball and go home. Wait, if I don't give you five bucks, you're going to close up shop? Promise? I'll give you six bucks if you close up shop. Maybe I'll get into that more in the future. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. The day is over. The day flies by. That's the way the day works. That's the way time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I appreciate the hell out of you listening. See you tomorrow.